When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner from autosport magazine and autosport.com i'm luke smith and this is the autosport podcast a shock pole position for mercedes has been something of a rarity in formula one over the last 10 years but that's exactly what george russell delivered on saturday in budapest as he topped a dramatic qualifying session for the hungarian grand prix Russell edged out Ferrari's Carlos Sainz by just 44 thousandths of a second with his final effort in qualifying, marking his maiden pole position in Formula 1 and a sign of Mercedes' revival. It was a more difficult day for Russell's Mercedes teammate, Lewis Hamilton, who could only muster 7th on the grid due to a DRS issue, while it was even worse for Max Verstappen, the championship leader, as a power unit problem resigned him to 10th place on the grid for tomorrow's race. Recapping all of today's action at the Hungaring, I'm joined by Autosport F1 editor Matt Q, whose voice is now fully working again after being a little croaky earlier this week. Not COVID, of course, but uh, George Russell made light of it in Thursday's press conference and has now got a pole position. What a surprise on both counts. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a miraculous recovery. No, my voice, not the Mercedes W13 oh. to get pole. Uh, yeah, he accused me of having been out on a town. I, of course, rejected those uh, and allegations And I can actually give you validation on this. You stayed out a little longer than I did on, on Wednesday night, but not that much longer. So you were well behaved and yeah, definitely just a, a Pepsi Cola was all you drank. Absolutely. That was, that was fine and uh, I, I shouldn't have belted out those Tom Jones numbers. No wonder my voice went. But it's back now and we're ready to podcast. Anyway, George Russell, pole position. What a surprise. Uh, What a lap as well from him at the end of qualifying. It came out of nowhere. We were in the media pen talking to the drivers when it happened and was like, whoa, this is quite something. What did you make of it and how shocked were you? 
Uh, there was a little bit of you know him having the door left open for him by a couple of other things that will come on to the Red Bull problems and, and, and Ferrari, but it was, it was a spectacular lap and something that just hasn't been on the cards all weekend. You know, with, with Mercedes, it's all been about the race pace. It's, uh, you know, we've done analysis on what Lewis Hamilton could offer in Barcelona, but particularly over the last three races, uh, uh, Silverstone, Austria, and uh, last time out, uh, Paul Ricard, it was really sort of stepping up and obviously culminating that double podium. And then yesterday, and we'll come on to the long run stuff later on, in the podcast they were nowhere completely adrift so as you say Russell uh, Russell's comments you know it's a disastrous day uh, uh, he said it's the worst the car has ever felt uh, on, on high fuel running and they turned it up, upside down and uh, I think that's worked for driving an upside down Mercedes because uh, the pace came out of nowhere so a brilliant lap good story and uh, I know this sounds bizarre after the last eight years of Mercedes dominance but we're overdue an upset this season it's just been you know Red Bull and, and, and Ferrari and it seems like Mercedes might be the one to give us an upset One of our media colleagues said in the driver pen after Q1 when Russell and Hamilton were P1 and P2 he said oh Mercedes 1-2 that's just what we could do with today again not a sentence you ever thought you would utter given the past eight years of dominance but also something that actually might have been possible. Lewis Hamilton he had that DRS issue in Q3 that really hindered him, left him 7th on the grid for tomorrow's race and he said that he thought a 1-2 would have been possible today for Mercedes after all the struggles this year, is it just a sign of the revival that Mercedes is enjoying they finally unlocked a little bit more out of this car? It's difficult to say exactly, I think generally there has been an upward trend um and it is, it, but it's interesting that they should get it so wrong on Friday in the race just before the summer break when there needs to be these decisions about validating car concepts and what they do next year. But to, to temper the optimism, I suppose, is the fact that Russell has come out and said, I'd be so shocked if we see the usual trend of, of Mercedes over the last few races, which is we get better on a Sunday. He's saying it will be the inverse this time around. And that's even at you know a narrow Hungaro wing where overtaking is generally a bit more harder. He's saying... You know, we're in we're in for a long afternoon so potentially celebrate now while you can it might be a case of you know an afternoon with his mirrors full of red red tomorrow but you know good, good lap uh, three personal best sectors which sort of that sort of tells you what you need to know about the the battle for pole is that he did three green sectors he wasn't purple in any of them and that's because you know signs who will come on to he he made a mistake and, and seeded pole but uh a nice story. One, one little quote I want to talk about from the press conference. She says, it doesn't matter what happens now in my career. Second place at Spa last year in the Williams and this first poll in the context of all the struggles for Mercedes, that's it. I'll never be happier about one single lap than I am today and I was at Belgium last year. Bold claim indeed from George Russell. But yes, Mr. Mr. Saturday, I guess a moniker that he may be lost a little bit this year, but he has uh, regained it a little bit today. Let's uh, let's get on to the Ferraris. You mentioned Science there, and just before we recorded this podcast, you went and looked at Science's lapping Q3, only 44 thousandths of a second between them at the end of the session there. Where did Science lose pole today? Turn five. So it's that, it's that uphill right-hander where we've seen actually lots of uh, track limit violations and that will be a topic later on. You do really episode. well at this sort of like throwing forward skill, Matt Hugh. Um, Very impressive. <laughs> thank you so much, Nick. Absolutely. But um, what he does, he has, a, he has a rear end snap and in the time it takes him to correct it, it doesn't matter that his sector one's purple and again, someone will come on to. He only uh, took the purple sector away from, from Nicholas Latifi who had held it right up until the death in... in uh, in, uh, in Q3 and uh, and he was really fast throughout the rest of the lap as well no one can get through him in the, in the final corners which is what you expect this is you know it sounds it's so it's so odd Hungara Ring has always been a Red Bull track uh, and, and then this year it's Ferrari uh, not because of the switch to ground effect but because of the difference in, in powertrain that, that Ferrari sort of low end punch out of the slow speed corners 
Uh, but that, that's that's where it was lost. And last time we did a podcast together, Luke, was uh, Saturday in Austria, and we spent a bit of time talking about fried body language because in the sprint, uh, they'd, they'd stumbled over one each other and allowed Ed Verstappen to escape. And and this time, it was it was similarly sort of short answers, a bit is a bit down downbeat because one, they've lost pole to to Mercedes, and two, I think you know although it's something we will talk about again, God, throwing forward all this, I need to I need to concentrate on the being in the moment, Matthew, uh, but. Not only have they ceded pole to a Mercedes, a slower car, but on a day when that comes on a day when Red Bull had a little whoopsie and, and, and you know in, in tenth and eleventh. So I think again that's probably some of the frustration there is that although they're focused on winning and getting ahead and not what their rival was doing, they could have inflicted even more damage. Well, let's get on to that little whoopsie, as you called it. And that was the issue for Max Verstappen, a power unit problem that meant he could only get to 10th place on his first lap in Q3. He locked up at turn two, and that forced him wide. That meant he lost a lot of time, fell down uh, the order. And, uh, yeah, then on that final lap, you could hear the frustration over the radio. Clearly, uh, yeah, a difficult period for him. Afterwards, he cooled down a little bit by the time he came and spoke to us, and he said, yeah, that it had been a, a power unit problem and that he was uh, struggling from the very start of that session and uh, they did what they could to fix it he called it painful said it was very very difficult he will start 10th tomorrow he uh, joked that he needs Mercedes to do him a little bit of a favour tomorrow but for Max from the pace we've seen from him this weekend how much of a fight back through the field do you think we can see given the difficulty of overtaking around the Hungara the Friday analysis feature I did ran with the headline the good fortune Red Bull needs to beat Ferrari here and they've only had bad fortune uh, with, with Perez and, and Verstappen. And again, part of that comes it back to it being a Red Bull track. And while they're quicker, if Pirelli's calculations are correct, than we're expecting in the, in the race between Red Bull and Ferrari, depending on how accurate the, the time manufacturer's offset is between the different compounds, this circuit really promotes sort of high track evolution. And we've had, obviously, the, the downpour nowhere near as bad as expected. We might not have been recording a podcast about qualifying today. We might have been recording about the session it didn't happen because the, the forecast was so extreme but it did uh, there was a little bit of rain for well quite a lot of rain for for fp3 and that scrubbed the track so track evolution bit of an unknown so basically the rubber from fp2 doesn't quite correlate but it's going to be a, a difficult ask and uh, I sort of touched a little bit on 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 his uh, on his on his lap because verstappen as we know he he's sort of at sea with understeer he's an incredibly talented driver he doesn't even like a balanced car it's a bit perverse he loves it when you know he can absolutely rely on the front end and then he'll sort out the rear end whether it's sliding around whatever that's where he's happiest and as you say in with the tire temperatures dropping and a lot of people struggled that he had this understeer through turn two so i think at the time his first lap in q3 was seventh which you know uh not great but it'll be a difficult ask for tomorrow and that, that should make it interesting maybe a bit of overdriving bit of you know overzealous on some lunges through the tighter corners here could, could make it interesting could be pretty spectacular for Ferrari as you said that 63 point lead Max Verstappen has got over Charles Leclerc Science starting second Leclerc starting third assuming both of them can get past George Russell quite quickly do you think Ferrari have got to commit and say Carlos we're sorry but move over mate Charles needs the points I think they absolutely have to. I think that's a, the shrewdest manoeuvre. And uh, they're, if you, again, if you include the tyre offset, they're like a second a lap on average over over what Mercedes were doing on, on free practice. And we know the Mercedes setup has changed dramatically, so, so they'll be closer. But they should have that tyre, uh, that delta where, yeah, OK, it's not the most exciting that it might be settled in the pits in an undercut as opposed to an on-track overtake. But that's, that's you know, they do have the pace to get ahead. And then... 
they have to they have to let Leclerc go. However, I asked that question to them in a press conference, and they said, you know, I said the specific word I think. Do you need to have talks overnight about team orders or nailing a strategy, which Ferrari has so far struggled to do? Do you need to really sort of home in on that? And they said we need nothing special. We need no talks. We need nothing out of the ordinary. I, I disagree, but what do I know? I'm paid to podcast and write, not to run a race team. <laughs> I mean, communication, it's overrated, I think some say, some people might say. So we shall see what happens there. Let's move on to Sergio Perez, the other Red Bull that you mentioned. He is 11th on the grid. And a little bit of confusion in Q2 where he set a lap and then had it deleted. Then we saw that slow-mo replay as he exited turn five and he quite clearly didn't put all four wheels over the white line. That was reinstated. He ended up getting knocked out anyway. But it's led to a bit of discussion about track limits and how they're policed. And Max Verstappen went on quite a rant. He said that the FIA treat us a bit like amateurs at times. And he said they don't seem to listen. He also said that here, I think at the final corner, that there's a dotted line. He's like, we've been told treat that as the track limit. And he's like, but no, but there's the white line. And he's saying, look, let's just get bring back gravel, make sure that it's sort of policing it properly where mistakes are actually punished. So it's definitely caused a bit of debate between the drivers. Are you getting bored of track limits? Because I really am. Completely. It's not, you know, the, the things we're told to sort of steer clear away from leading things on is tyres and track limits because they're, they're not sexy topics. Um, no. And... It's interesting to see how, how this played out because Perez, as you remember, from Austria, had his best lap in Q2. It was, it was accepted. He went into Q3, but then it was scrubbed and deleted and, and then that denied Gasly a chance. It comes in the context of it. It's actually entering a pretty difficult form, uh, run of form for Perez. You know, he's, he's regressed almost into that, and this sounds harsh, but that Gasly-Alwyn thing of being sort of sixth and seventh rather than third or fourth, which is the tacit requirement for that second Red Bull seat. Maybe my voice isn't as good as I thought it was. It's starting to go a bit then. But he, he's regressed a little bit. And then, and then he was struggling. He's been struggling way off um, his teammate in, in free practice. And then again, that, that lap, he was you know, at risk in Q1 and then was eliminated in, in Q2. And he was in pits at the time, actually, because, uh, because he, he was... Uh, see, the interesting thing to, uh, to note is about the policing of track limits. Obviously, the FIA have caught it this time and overturned it. But I noted it. I'm really sorry. This is really sad. It took them six minutes and 31 seconds. So, you know, that's seven minutes if you're rounding. Just that took them seven minutes to correct it. And that, that's a big, that's a big interval. It, you know, it's, it's uh, like when I used to cover Formula E and you get late at night and then they, then they change the classification. I think that's actually happening right now in Formula E as well. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And it, it, but it, robbed, it robs you of, in the moment what you're watching and it's frustrating. And we were told that as part of the legacy of the Abu Dhabi thing, we'd have this control room, this VAR equivalent. And we're told it's up and running in Geneva. We know very little about it, but we're sure it's there. And what we're told is it's not about stopping the race in the middle. Obviously, that's impossible. We're stopping qualifying session in the middle. It's about giving an extra data stream. And yes, it has been identified and, and the correct result has come, but it's taken too long to identify. And it looks silly because it's not like where you need Hawkeye or goal line technology for a perfect top-down view. I think we could see from the replays, not even slow motion ones, that he was within track limits. So it's just a bit, you know, it's when we complain about the bad Wi-Fi or the, or the bad, bad, you know, car parks or whatever that the car gets stuck and this is the best of motorsport it's the top flight and it's just it's missing those key areas and it looks a bit poor finally let's get on to one of the weirder stories of today uh, with all due respect but that is Nicholas Latifi who 
was quickest in FP3, P1 for Williams, and at the time had actually topped more sessions this year than Lewis Hamilton had, <laughs> amazingly, which uh, was a, a stat that one of our media colleagues tweeted out and then unsurprisingly had a little bit of backlash a little about. But uh, it was uh, it was a, a weird day for Latifi because he went from P1 in FP3, then, as you alluded to earlier, in Q1 set a purple first sex, and we were like, here we go again, lads, here we go, and then ended up last. So he went from first to last in the space of a few hours. A strange old day for him. Yeah, I want to sort of give him a bit of love at the end of this podcast because there were cheers in the media centre for it, ironic cheers, and and then this goat Latifi or Goatifi sort of meme that comes off Facebook. And, like, yes, we know originally why he was signed and he has definitely been the number two driver against Russell and, and now Albon, but you know, he's, he's still a Formula One driver and he, he can do a job, so it feels, it feels a bit harsh. So let's, let's talk him up while he's in the limelight, but potentially with him not being here uh, next season. So, um, yeah, as you say, he was purple in Sector 1 in final practice and in, uh, and, in, and in Q1 as well, so it was like a carryover and that was obviously, you know, uh, still let's call it damp or certainly greasy in final practice, but, but quick in, uh, but dry, sorry, in, in Q1. So the pace carried over and he's genuinely he's in a good run of form at the minute so if you remember Silverstone he didn't have the upgrade package but he was he took a marked improvement and then um, at Paul Ricard he was battling with Magnussen I think it was 12th at the time when it was yes it was a clumsy collision and this comes after they won't say specifically that it was a cracked chassis or something but there's been a change of chassis on the car and since then there has been this upturn it's, it's generally up to as much as half a second three quarters of a second improvement every lap really and, and, and consistency coming with that and that's putting him much closer to Albon so he, he's not the meme or whatever the, the joke of the grid that he's being made out to be so, so that is one thing however the FW44 and we've seen it with the 180 degree corners at Barcelona and a couple of other times maybe even uh, Zambor uh, last year I remember when it's, uh, with the predecessor car it's really sensitive to wind and so uh, Latifi, yeah, I think he was uh, he was obviously set this purple fir- uh, first sector. I think he was personal best in his second sector. So, you know, definitely on for a Q2 appearance. And then gust of wind at the final corner, big snap of oversteering. It was all done. He was super frustrated. Albon actually had a very similar problem. So it was, you know, the, the car shortcomings. And again, bit of a curveball because of the weather conditions and, uh, and scrubbing the track. But... Hungaroing is all about promoting high downforce, and that's where the Williams suffers. So, for them to be on the money, I think it was two really good performances. Been been denied a little bit. So, so there you go. There's talking up Latifi. There's a credit. Let's give him the time in the limelight. Fair play. Absolutely, very well put. I think good to recognise the good performances when they come. I must say, since the end of qualifying, I've been thinking back to this race in 2013 when Lewis Hamilton took pole for Mercedes, and they've been quite good in quality all season. And he said it's going to take a miracle for me to win tomorrow and what did he do he went out and won the race and I just part of me wonders are we going to have a similar kind of thing tomorrow with George Russell maybe could he perhaps muster up that first F1 win for Mercedes what kind of race are you anticipating at the front tomorrow could Russell deliver a similar kind of miracle for Mercedes he could and without taking a cheap shot it's because he's got a, a second and third place of the Ferraris and with strategy with reliability with you know as, as, as far as we know uh, uh, going into going into Sunday no no decisive call on team orders there's plenty of stuff to undo it there and uh, but I have to say 
on the day, a Russell win would be amazing context of the season. But in the context of the bigger championship battle, we need Ferrari really to capitalise on, on Red Bull dropping the ball, which they haven't done much. You know, the, the unreliability at the start of the season was a, was a central part to do with the fuel system. And since then, they've been not flawless. There have been areas with pit stops and losing tents here. But so much better than Ferrari that they need to pounce and show that they are a championship, uh, they're an organisation capable of taking this fight to the wire. Um, again, I can't talk too definitively about Mercedes' race pace from my calculations yesterday because, as they say, they've, they've you know, taken the car apart and, and rebuilt it overnight. What I can tell you is from Friday, they would have had to found 1.2 seconds a lap, and that was just in the average, and I think that gap has come down. Um, what I can tell you, perhaps, again, going back to the team orders. So now at the end of the podcast, we're throwing back to oh, where we were earlier. But signs, although Leclerc was faster in the headline times and the quality simulations in EP2, it was signs who was quicker over his average stint. So again, he can either pull away and put pressure on Russell, but does the championship fight no good? Or he might fall behind Leclerc early on, bad start, whatever, but have the underlying race pace to get past. So again, it... You know, look at this. There's, there needs to be. There's the impetus for them to be decisive. So, and we, we've seen at points this season where you know we never we never thought it where Verstappen's come up to lap Hamilton or whatever or sailed by him because of the deficit in the W13. But he's now got to recover a couple of places and get past Hamilton. So that could be be a battle. You know, so there are there are some interesting tidbits. And I should also add, sorry, one last thing. We haven't talked about McLaren, but they were only two tenths, or Norris was only two tenths average lap off off uh, signs and uh, in the ballpark of Leclerc yesterday on the same time. So Norris, what, starting fourth, maybe he can uh, cause a headache and get between the red cars. Well, it'll be a very interesting race indeed. Lots of good subplots to look at. Matt, thank you very much as always for joining me. We're now off to go and get some dinner in our hotel. And uh, yeah, make sure you join us tomorrow night for the full race review podcast. I believe it's Martin, myself, Jess and Kevin Turner, our chief editor, making a, a rare but very welcome appearance. And of course, make sure you stay to all support throughout tomorrow we've got all of the news reports and analysis from race day for the hungarian grand prix george russell on pole position max Verstappen and lewis hamilton fighting their way back through should be a really good race we'll see you tomorrow mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. The sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home at auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.